It is your Thursday daily delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Hope you are listening to today's show somewhere in the shade or air condition or something. Um, we don't talk about the weather that much. Sometimes we talk about it at the beginning. It's going to be hot today. Too hot for my tastes, but uh, we'll get through it. We always do, um, and then we uh, we lament the cold days in the winter, and that's how we do things here in Minnesota. How we do things on this show today is that I will be welcoming in Chip Scoggins in just a little while to talk Vikings, specifically to talk about the quarterback documentary on Netflix starring Kirk Cousins, um, among other quarterbacks, also Patrick Mahomes, you might have heard of him, and Marcus Mariota. Um, but Chip and I will talk about our impressions of that show, maybe how what we knew about Cousins changed or was reinforced while watching uh, while watching that documentary. Very good, by the way. I suggest you go check it out. So we'll get to that here in a little bit with Chip and a couple of the Vikings things with Chip as well. Got some twins thoughts here in a minute, some soccer thoughts in a minute as well. Uh, first, though, what I missed, the Lynx get a big win on uh, on Wednesday. Beat the Mystics. 97-92, notable in a few different ways. One, kind of keeps the Lynx firmly in kind of the bottom half of that playoff bracket. The, the WNBA rewards eight out of its 12 teams with playoff spots. And the Lynx are fairly firmly entrenched in that top eight, even with an 11-13 and 13 record this season. You thought the Twins would have a hard time missing the playoffs given the softness of the AL Central. The bottom of the WNBA is quite forgiving this season. Seattle 4 and 19, Phoenix 6 and 17, Indiana 6 and 17. That's 3 of the 4 non-playoff teams almost guaranteed at this point unless one of those teams suddenly goes on a roll and the Lynx are still, you know, comfortably not, you know, not miles ahead but comfortably ahead of Chicago, which is nine and fourteen, and uh, and L.A., which is eight and fifteen. So, good chance the Lynx make the playoffs. But to do that, they have to win games like the one they did Wednesday. Did not play great defense, but did enough towards the end. However, star Nafisa Collier hurts her ankle late in the game. They they managed to finish the game off even without Nafisa Collier, but she will be out probably for an undefined amount of time. We don't know yet how bad the injury was, but it was a bad it was bad enough to keep her out of the final few minutes of that win on Wednesday and figures to be a at least a short-term problem. And a short-term problem for her is a short-term problem for the Lynx because she obviously makes them go and they have quite a difficult schedule coming up playing some of the best teams in the league here coming up. Just reading from Kent Youngblood's game story I think they play uh, starting Friday in New York. They play their next three games against the top three teams in the league. And as as bottom-heavy as the league is, it is also top-heavy. Those top three teams in the league, Las Vegas 22-2 and two this season. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, New York 17-5 and five, and um, Connecticut 18-6. and six. That will be a daunting challenge. The Lynx have not necessarily fared well against the best of the best this season. So even at 11 and 13 right now, they could be facing some difficult times up ahead. But a big win for them on Wednesday, and uh, and that's good news for them. Let's talk international soccer for just a moment here as well. The U.S. women got a draw against the Netherlands in the Women's World Cup on Wednesday. A hard-earned draw, 1-1. Some, uh, some griping from the fans that there weren't enough substitutes in that game. I caught some of that on social media. 
Um, people love to complain about that. It seemed justified in this case, though. I believe they only used one substitute in a game where they maybe could have, you know, in a tight game, that is a, a, a interesting decision to make. But, you know, maybe there's a reason for that. We are not the ones in charge here. So, so you know, that that was a, you know, that can be second guess, but who knows what the, the ultimate right decision there was. What we do know is that um, the U.S. is getting a, getting a pretty good challenge here in this Women's World Cup. I think that broke a, a streak of, I think, 13 straight wins for them in uh, in that cup. And so they, they have to, uh, you know, they have to really kind of double down now in, you know, the, in the final stages of group play and then into the knockout stages if they want to repeat. This is not, like I talked about, you know, a week or two ago with John Marthaler, this is not the, you know, not the not the clear clearly dominant U.S. team that it has been in the past. So that's what makes this Women's World Cup so intriguing, and uh, we'll be watching to see how they do in that final game here in just a few days. That final game of group play. Um, interesting too. Noah Furtado, our intern who did the show last, uh, I think it was last Friday. They did the show. Shout out to Noah again. Had a good story on Minnesota United and just how they believe they are closing. How how Major League Soccer is trying to position itself as kind of a global option for soccer players. Not just a, hey, come play here at the end of your career, or here's where the young up-and-comers are going to start, but they're eventually going to transfer out. Don Garber, the commissioner, has made no bones about wanting this to be a destination league, and it certainly has gained in gained in stature over the years, gained in you know, kind of the the viability of it, and taking another step this year. So far, eight and six in this uh, in this uh, leagues cup. This is the first year of the leagues cup where they're playing all the Liga MX teams. MLS eight and six against Liga MX teams, including the Loons, with a four nothing win the other day against Puebla. Um, you know, Loons coach Adrian Heath saying, you know, we're at the stage now where a lot of players see this now as a viable alternative to Europe. That's interesting. I mean, the league is obviously not just in, in its infancy anymore. It's almost 30 years old now, Major League Soccer. So it's been around for a long time. But leagues take time to kind of gain traction. They take time to gain the kind of financial stability that is required to attract some of the best players. And they frankly take some of the time to gain the infrastructure and the right, you know, the right way of doing things so that the games themselves are are good to watch for fans. And I don't think this is ever going to be the best league in the world, but if they could position themselves to be one of the top five leagues in the world, which I don't quite think they are even yet, but if they could get into the top five, top three, become, you know, like Heath said, a viable alternative to playing in Europe, not just a, a place where you go um, to to kind of like wind down, you're like a retirement home for, for, the, for wayward 38-year-old stars. If you can become that, you know, we have Lionel Messi right now playing in MLS. That's amazing. Um, he's at the end of his career, but st- he certainly has a lot left to give. Like if they can get some of those caliber, more caliber of players and also some of the kind of young stars to stay in this league, that will only help the growth of this league. And they do believe they are well on their way. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Happy to be joined today on Daily Delivery by Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins. Um, Chip, how you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. 
How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just uh, you know back in the swing of things. I had a little bit of time off last week, but uh, now it feels like it always feels like when Vikings training camp starts. <laughs> we're kind of like it kind of feels like we're starting to get back into that mode of okay, yeah. now there's now there's things going on. It's been it, it snuck up on me. Not that the not the start of camp snuck up on me. I, I talked and wrote about this a little bit on um on on Wednesday show but how kind of how newsy or just kind of how many things are kind of hanging in the balance right now yeah with, which Quasi Dofomenza had to address and you know kind of sidestepped a lot of it um but just you know the the Daniel Hunter situation you know Jordan Addison's recent off-field transgression yep. um you know they got other Justin stuff Jefferson. Jefferson and the guy that we want to talk about a lot today Kirk Cousins who goes into this year Final year of his contract, he hasn't had that in Minnesota. He had that obviously in Washington a mm-hmm. couple of different times. You know, as he kind of played out those franchise tags and things like that. But I want to talk about Cousins with you in the context too of the Netflix documentary Quarterback, which I finally got a chance to watch most of it. I know you've watched it too, and I thought that was a pretty fascinating lens into Cousins. Um, so, Chip, maybe we start there and kind of get into some camp stuff. Yeah. What, what did you make of? Give me your overall impression of what you saw, particularly of Cousins from that Netflix documentary that I think a lot of us have seen at this point. Yeah, I think it 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 showed um, a number of things um, that I, that I found revealing. Let's start with the physical aspect. Um, yes. Both the the data and our eyes told us that he got hit a lot last year, but uh, that documentary did a really good job of showing how much that added up on him and the process that he had to go through every week just to get his body prepared to play again the next Sunday. Um, Whether it was just, you know, the rehab, the massage therapist, body work people that um, he had come over every Friday. He dealt with a lot last year behind the scenes. Um, The rib injury that I think he got after the, was it the Washington game? I think it was, yeah, I think it was, Washington and Buffalo. I think he aggravated against yeah. Buffalo. He took two pretty good hits right in right in those back to back weeks, right in that same spot. Yeah, and 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 he's been durable. And we I mean it's it's been discussed a lot that, you know, I don't think he's missed a game because of injury in his career and he's always there. But Mike, when you see the the see it on video and you see it documented, um that has to change this year. I, that, that just doesn't seem like a sustainable thing. And some of that's on him, right? Because he's he's not a mobile quarterback. He right. doesn't. Um, I was talking about this with Ben Gessling yesterday that, that you know, if he's not going to keep uh, plays alive with his feet, he probably has to hang in the pocket a little bit longer and, and absorb those shots to let his receivers come open. So mm-hmm. some of that's, I don't know, it might be a little bit unavoidable, but – I just don't think you want to go through another season of him taking that. He he led the league amongst quarterbacks and hits. Yeah. You don't want to go through another season like that because uh, eventually that, you know, uh, the durability is, it has to, you know, you know, you don't want him missing uh, time. And, and I mean, he's been, you know, he's always there and he always shows up, but, but he really has to um, go through a lot to get his body ready. Yeah, I think we take his durability for granted almost too, and it's you know it's it's been there every year, and you you go you come to assume it. And I think some of it is that he like he we saw in the documentary he does take really good care of himself, and even this past off season he's t- 
taken it to another level, as he talked about um, earlier this week in, in camp and you know, hiring a full-time body work person, someone who's like mm-hmm. trying to preserve the back end of his career and help him stay healthy. But that's, that's not been a problem for him, but you don't want to take that for granted. And you're right. I think the documentary showed not just how, you know, how tough he is. And, you know, that reinforced some of that for me. I think, yeah, I think, a lot of what the documentary did for me, I think, was reinforce the things that I already liked about Cousins. I'll get into a couple of those more in a yeah. minute. But yeah, the, the durability piece and the toughness piece and to take the most hits in the league, like we've talked about, and still be able to stay on the field to still play. And even just like hearing him groaning on a lot of those yeah. plays and like hear, hearing how audibly, you know, distressed he was, especially at the end of that Buffalo game, which, you know, probably is a combination of injury and just being completely gassed at the end of the game that's fatigue. You know, just yeah. the fatigue of that game um and the emotion of that game and all the all the twists and turns but you know just what he had to go through and then you know you do wonder how much of a toll that takes on you know by the time you get to a playoff game or by the time you get to a mm-hmm. certain point in the season how how does what's the cumulative effect of that well that that is right and um you know he he does a good job of either dealing with it or ignoring it or, you know, just allowed himself not to let that be a focus because um, I don't know that it affected his play. It didn't certainly didn't seem like he was you know, hobbling or anything like that. Um, so he, he, you know, he's done a good job of kind of mitigating it. Um, the, you know, the other thing that really jumped out to me and we, and we know this about him, that he's very detail oriented, very right. driven, but just the process of how much he studies and how um, committed he is in all facets to try to be the best player he can be. And I think a lot of that he stems from, he's always been, you know, he's probably sees himself not the most physically gifted sure, and not this or not that. And so he, he talked about it yesterday that with, with uh, at, at the opening of a uh, training camp, getting the body work coach that, He's going to do everything he can to give himself the best position to have a longevity career and try to win a you know a championship. And so, and you that comes through with his study. And um, I think it's sometimes uh he probably is an overthinker. Yes, right. And he, he, and he he even admits that, I think. Yeah, I think is he the one that says, you know, his greatest strength can be his greatest weakness. Yeah, that he, he, he said he, things like that. And I mean he said he has a tendency to overthink things and kind of get lost in his own head and has to realize kind of when when he has to let go of those thoughts. And I think that was maybe in the section with the, with the psychologist that he sees with the vice. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was interesting too, that he, he wanted that part of the, because I think they had some editing that uh, control over what was showed. And I think that they included that was uh, important, but really one of the most fascinating things I found was the byplay he had with Kevin O'Connell during those tense moments on the sideline. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of times, I think it was the, the, Miami game and the Buffalo game where Cousins was really heated. Oh, it was, it was the Miami and then the, the Colts game. <laughs> and O'Connell said, you know, something to the extent of, first of all, you got to settle down. Let's let's, let's yeah. lower the temperature. Let's lower the temperature here. Um, and then the Buffalo game where, where Mike, where he changed the player, he did the, he did did the, the quarterback sneak. Yeah. And Cousins and O'Connell was like, what was that? I was going to call yeah. a timeout. You got right. to work together here. We got to trust me. So I asked Cousins about it yesterday. I said, you know, we saw – your relationship with him is in some really stressful moments, tense times. How did that, you know, kind of evolved over CCC? And he said, that's what exactly did. It evolved and it'll continue to evolve. And so that was a coach and a quarterback first year 
filling out personality and, and O'Connell in the documentary says he's learned to just kind of let in those stressful moments, let cousins kind of fume for a little bit and then go back to him. And, and so I, I think they'll be even better this year in terms of the, I, I think they had a good relationship to start with. I think they'll be even better this year. And, and cousins said just having that equity in that year that they can go back and say, remember in that Buffalo game, remember then Washington, we did this. Sure. I think it's going to pay dividends uh, for him this year. Yeah, I think in the other thing that I think this goes along with some of the things you were saying just now. The other thing that the the quarterback did do for me was was you know reinforce. You're right with his work ethic and how much he puts into it, and he's almost like you know just thinking about how hard he has to work, what he's had to to do just to be about above average, not elite. One, but one of the twelve, I'd say twelve best quarterbacks yeah, 12 best. in yeah. the world. But no better than the eighth best, I would think, on any on any given list. Not certainly not in the top five. So he's not, you know, quote unquote elite. He doesn't. He as hard as he works, he won't. He can't get into that into that category because he does have some physical limitations. He does. He's just not going to get into that echelon because of of what he can and can't do. So you know, he's in some instances kind of like the student who has to study really hard just to get a B plus. But you 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 admire that to a large degree. You also sometimes I wonder with overachieving athletes or specifically even with overachieving teams, whether that runs out at a certain point once you if you don't have another gear, essentially. If you get to the playoffs, the moments, and you don't have another gear where you've been where you've been giving 110% all along, and then the team when the, the talent wins out and the team that has you know, another gear to get to wins. And I think about that in the context of some of those twins teams that have lost in the playoffs, things like that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, you know, some of the wild teams, I think that have made the playoffs and then fallen short. I don't know how much there is to that, but I think of that sometimes in the context of cousins. Well, and you're, is that a way of saying you just feel like there's a ceiling there that it's going to be hard. If you watch that documentary. Yeah. And you watch Mahomes, And you just feel like this guy's going to win a lot of Super Bowls. Because he just has this killer capacity in these big moments. And not only is he like supremely gifted and can do all these crazy things, but it, I think for Mahomes, it also shows his work ethic and yeah. also his, his football IQ to be able to recognize things and, you know, just kind of do things on the fly and just process things. Um, you feel like you're always going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl when he's on your team. I think with, uh, with cousins, I think things need to be everything needs to come together because I just don't think he has that ability to rise above when things are not great. Yeah, right. And so there, I, there yeah, the, the ceiling is lower. And so you got to have a great defense. You got to have things fall in place. You got maybe have to get a little bit of luck. You got to avoid injury. You know those type of things. But I, I do think you know, is it sustained? I mean, are you saying is it? Can you reach a championship level or can you sustain this year after year after year and put yourself in position? I think they can do that with him because I think he's he's always going to be good enough to give you a chance to be a playoff team. And um, if, if he's surrounded by, you know, the right the right mix. Um, but, you know. You're right that he's um, there are limitations, but. When you see Marcus Mariota, you realize yeah. they're in a they're in a lot better spot than uh, than you know what Atlanta was with him. You know, I, I, it just it was a different 
there are three different levels of this documentary that, yeah, well, that and, were crystal clear. Well, yeah. And that, that gets to the point of like cousins has to be kind of comfortable, at least in his own skin to agree to this because he has to know kind of how this is being framed. Like you've got the elite, yeah. you know, Super Bowl quarterback, and you've got, you know, the fringe starter who was, you know, was a high draft pick at one point, but now is trying to hold on to his job and his spot in the league. And here's Kirk Cousins. Good. Not great. He's he's being portrayed as kind of the guy in the middle, right? And he has to be comfortable with that to a certain degree. Yeah, and and I was uh, you know I was talking about this yesterday. Is that you have to know that this documentary because it's, you know it's produced by Peyton Manning. They're going to have some editorial co- control over what's in there and what's not. So it's going to make the quarterbacks look mostly favorable, right? You're going to uh, look positively, and for Cousins, you got to feel like he's you know there's nothing. You know, what we saw is like, you know, a guy who works really hard, is passionate, cares about it, people like him, great family uh, person, great dad, husband. Well, Mike, he's in the last year of his contract. There's 31 other teams that are going to watch this quarterback and see him in his best light, right? The cousins, you know, all the things that he's going to bring. So this is, you know, if it's not going to be here next year with the Vikings, it's a heck of an audition. And for people to get a glimpse of who you are, uh, for the other teams too. So it, it, I'm sure for him, they, in his camp, maybe they looked at it that way too. It was like, Hey, I can show other teams like what I'm about. They can see behind the scenes, how I prepare, how, you know, kind of the person I am. So it was, um, I'm sure in that way, it was a big win for him too. Well, I was kind of wondering about that. I was going to ask you that and then maybe move on to some camp stuff, but like what was his, aside from being comfortable with that, that, that feels like it was a bit of his end game in agreeing to this. Cause I don't think he's, the world's like foremost open book. He doesn't have a problem, you know, being in front of the camera and talking to us and even giving people glimpses of, of his, of his life. I mean, he invited Ben Gessling in for a long uh, visit in Michigan a while ago. Like he's, he's got that element to him, but there was probably an element of, okay, um, I don't quite know where my future is going to take me. What, you know, if I'm in this and things go reasonably well, and I don't think they could have gone a ton better for him than to be, yeah. you know, followed for a 13 and four season, even if that wasn't his best statistical season ever, but to show some of those traits that he has, like, do you, do you think that element played into it that he, you know, those not self-promotional, but like he saw it as yeah. an opportunity to be like, Hey, you know, I don't know where this is going, but this, this could paint me in a favorable light and let people see me a little bit more. Well, I think it's multifaceted one. Um, I do. I do believe when he said he he felt like this would be a good way to show fans kind of what it's like to be a quarterback, give him a glimpse behind the, the curtain a little bit. Um, and I, I think his personality was not allowed or he didn't feel comfortable kind of showing who he was under Mike Zimmer in the way that he did with Kevin O'Connor. I mean, that was abundant. Oh, yeah. Anybody who spent any time around him, he was a different quarterback last year. He felt more comfortable. I mean, the Kirk chains, all this stuff. I mean, he yeah. was just, we saw more of his personality and I think he, appreciated that and liked it. And, and so I think this was a way for him to show, you know, kind of further who he is as a person, what he's about, you know, all those things. And so is that, but I also think there, there has to be a small part that says, okay, if, if I'm not going to be with the Vikings next year, this is a really good opportunity to show all these other teams who I am, how I'm, you know, what I'm about as a teammate, as a guy who studies, prepares himself, does all the right things off the field. You, you can't say that's not part of it. I mean, it, it's it's a good promotional thing for him. And he, he you know, he, he said he would not have done this if it would have been a big production. And we, uh, I don't know that any media member knew this was happening. 
last yeah, year. I, I there, we, yeah, we, I think we got – We didn't – Not till after the season did we start to hear about it, yeah. Exactly, because there, there were not cameras in the locker room. We didn't – No. Were, you know, there's not – and he wouldn't have done it, and I agree. I, I believe him when he says he wouldn't have wanted that taken away from – you know, like have this big circus right. all around. Um, so we didn't even know it was this was being was uh, going on. And so they kept it a nice secret. So I don't think his his full intention was, hey, let's all about me and show me. But I think it's you know kind of as a byproduct of this uh, him saying, hey, if it doesn't work out here, you know, I have an opportunity to show other teams kind of who I am. Yeah, and getting getting beyond that now, let's talk for a few minutes about the start of camp and kind of who. Who has stuff to prove? Because, I mean, Cousins is kind of at the top of that list now. Quasi talked on Tuesday, kind of said, you know, they still have good dialogue. This is just more where they are right now is more about the fact that both sides just couldn't see an exact path forward yet, but that this could still be a long-term thing. Like, I I'm, I still, I, I'm coming around more to the idea that, th- that he could still be here, but also... I think they realize where he's ceiling is. It's an in, it's an interesting year for yeah. Cousins and just the the organization as a whole. Like, does this competitive rebuild idea does it work? Are they going to be like? Can they straddle that line? There's a lot riding on Cousins. There's a lot. I, frankly, there's a lot of evaluation of Quasi. I think that's happening well, this year because I think that we know more about O'Connell at this point than we do Quasi. Yeah, I was going to say um, if you ask me who the spotlight is on the most. I, w- I would not say a player. I would say Kwesi. I agree. Because you have to sign Daniel Hunter. You have to sign Justin Jefferson. You have to sign TJ Hawkinson. You have to figure out what your quarterback plan is. And he talked about yesterday that um, in his position, you have scenarios. Yep. And I would think with Cousins, there's three different scenarios. One is you sign him to a, you know, a long-term deal. Um. Two, you try to do another, you know, bridge one or two deal, or you move on and, and uh, you try to draft a guy or bring in a bridge quarterback. So, you know, yes, this is um, a big year for Cousins, but I don't think he's going to show us something we don't already know right. or haven't seen. He's right. going to have a good year, right? Yep. He's in it. He's got all the things around. He's going to have a good year. I, I would be surprised yep. if he doesn't. Um, and so it's just for them. One, does he? He wants a long-term deal. Are they going to be able to do that, or are they just going to say, "You know what? We want to have a, you know, a, a more inexpensive quarterback and try to build around that." Um. So this is a this is a big spot for Quasi because last year was a little bit of more of the same. This right. year is this is your team, Quasi. This is your plan. This is your blueprint. Uh, he said this year is about growth and development. That was the term he used yesterday. Yeah. Um, which is another, I think another way of saying um, competitive rebuild, but the, yeah. you know, there's so many, there's so many new guys on defense that were yes. either special teams guys or backups that occasionally filled in the starters injuries that are now going to be starters. Guys have to play a lot. And um, so we don't know. They're not all going to hit, right? They're not all going to be what you, you know, what you envisioned. I mean, it'll be some that it will, some that it won't. And so they have to figure out uh, who they can build around. But this is a big, big year, I think, for more than anyone, Hoisey. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, maybe final point here, and I wrote about this a little bit Wednesday, um, that he, you know, by terming this a competitive rebuild, which, you know, it gives you kind of, 
two kind of competing tracks, it, it has made these yeah. decisions a little bit harder, right? Like if they were, if they were clearly trying to just compete and win right now, this Daniil Hunter situation wouldn't be as complicated. If they were just trying to compete and win 10 games for the next few years, Kirk Cousins would be signed right now. They're, they're trying to yeah. figure out kind of the present and the future all at the same time, trying to win now while also being able to win later. And the way they've kind of painted themselves is making their, making their decisions harder. Well, it is because <clears throat> – and he, I think he even acknowledged it. He said yesterday, Quasi uh, in his, in his uh, camp press conference, he said, I can tell you the mathematical yeah. odds of, of doing, he didn't, he didn't say the Bears, but basically what the Bears and other teams that have tanked and, and you know, just did a full, you know, by definition rebuild, like yeah. a bunch of young guys right. and just, um, they don't want to do that. I don't think ownership no. has a stomach for that. No. They don't want to do that. And, and, and Mike, when you have Justin Jefferson, you don't want to do that. No. You know, when you have Harrison Smith and these guys, you don't want to just say, all right, we're just going to play a bunch of young guys. If we win three games, okay, we're, we're building for four. I mean, but, but if they if they did want to do that, the Cousins decision would be easy. The Hunter decision would be easy. Like It would be easy. They, It'd be a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. But they're in the middle. They're yeah. in the middle and trying to figure out. And that's, that's kind of been the, the, not kind of been, it has been. The story of this franchise is like they're stuck in that middle. Right. Yeah. Good enough to be a playoff team, not good enough to really ascend beyond that. Right. So um they they're they're caught in between. I think some of it because of their personnel. They're good enough that you just, you know, again, I go back to if you have Justin Jefferson, you're like, ah, we're just gonna we're gonna win three games and try to, you know, so no, you don't want to waste years. I mean, you right in the NFL, you just can't waste years. And so it's a it's a it's a, a uh it's complicated, and I don't know. Um, I don't think they're going about it the wrong way, but it, to me, it all everything it just starts with that quarterback thing. And like, what I understand, like, I don't know that I want to commit four years to Cousins right now. Two years, no. I do two years. Um, maybe, yeah. This year and another year. Oh yeah, yes. This year and another year. Yes. Would I, I want to do four years? I, I just think, no. I, but. Um, and, but this is why they, this is a big reason why they hired Quasey and Kevin O'Connell to figure out that quarterback situation, find who's going to be your franchise guy and, and, and have trust that they're going to pick the right guy, whether it's, you know, in the draft. But again, it goes back to Mike. If they're good enough to be, uh, I mean, they absolutely are, should be good enough to at least contend in their division, yeah, win the division. Yeah. They're going to be a seven to ten win team, I think. I mean, that's what what kind of what kind of draft pick is that going to get you? Exactly, we, and it, that's exactly it. Like, you're not going to be in the Caleb Williams discussion. No, that. you're not. So that's that's the you're box. not going to be in the Drake like, May. I know. I don't. Do, but I, how do you do it? Like, I don't know. Do you, trade, don't Justin, know. you, do you trade Justin Jefferson? Nah, absolutely not. They'll run you out of town for that. Yeah, they would. <laughs> well, it's fascinating. It's it's going to be a really interesting stuff. year. It's an interesting it, year for for a lot of these players and for a lot of the. Decision makers, it gives 2023 an element of intrigue that it might not otherwise have, especially watching what will happen with Cousins. Um, Chip, appreciate it as always. Um, and everybody yep. go watch that documentary. It was it was very well done, worth your time on Netflix, quarterback, aptly named. And uh, Chip, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Good stuff from Chip. And I only hinted at my Jefferson, Justin Jefferson hot take um, with Chip, I was joking, and I brought it up on the Access Vikings podcast that went live on 
Wednesday. I had to bring it up to those uh, those guys, Ben Gessling and Andrew Kramer, just kind of as a here, here's the here's a wild thought I've been having lately. What do you think of this? And we had a good talk about it, just kind of not in a not in really even a realistic or serious way, but just kind of a, a thought exercise in what what that would look like, why in certain scenarios it could be considered things like that. I again. He's, the, he's one of the best players in football. He might be the very best player in football right now. He's certainly one of the three or four very best non-quarterbacks in the NFL. You don't just go and say, well, we want to get a pile of assets for that. that. That's a player you want. Assets are only valuable if they become players like Justin Jefferson. So I'm not, I'm not advocating for this anyway. But I think these are interesting thought exercises to think about these things that nobody else would think are plausible. And then in retrospect, when they do happen occasionally, you think, well, we never saw that coming. So why not talk about it first? Why not think about how that might look? So we did that on Access Viking. So go check that show out. We did a lot of training camp preview stuff on that show as well. So go check that out. Let us finish with the coolers. Some twin stuff to get to here. This is going to be kind of a long cooler, I suppose, because i got a few things here. They lost 8-7 finale of that uh, that Seattle series. wasn't the bullpen this time. It was Joe Ryan. He gave up a lot of runs in this game. He's been struggling lately. Twin starting pitcher. A lot of home runs. I think 13 home runs in the last six starts for him. That is not good. Um, so they lose that game, lead down to two in the American League Central, and they made a trade. They traded up. They traded Jorge Lopez who they got at the trade deadline last year. Um, they traded him to the Marlins straight up for Dylan Floro, kind of a, a trade of two relievers who have struggled this season. That that The sum total of that trade not looking great for the Twins right now because they dealt away Yannier Cano, who has become an all-star for Baltimore, plus two top 30 prospects to the Orioles, Cade Povich and Juan Nunez, in that deadline deal to get Lopez last year. They, they thought he was going to be the difference maker in their bullpen down the stretch last season. He was not. Um, they faltered down the stretch. They still thought, hey, guy under team control for two more years, this year and next year, and he just hasn't been that same pitcher this year. Traded him now to the Marlins. We'll see if Dylan Floro can be any more of the back end of the bullpen guy that they hoped that Lopez could be. But that the sum balance of that trade, not looking great for the Twins right now. But uh, we'll see if they still have enough as the season goes along to finish off games and get into the postseason. And that leads me to an email from Don, the very end of the show here. Don writes, he was listening the other day, um, he, he writes, um, hearing you talk about um, about the baseball playoffs, how the Twins would likely play the number six seed, and that the Twins would not have won their last 18 playoff games, mainly due to the Yankees. Wouldn't it be ironic if the Yankees wind up being the last wild card entrant? They are just two games out of the last spot as of this morning. Ha! Yeah, Don, I have a bit. I had thought about that when I was doing that segment, talking. I think it was to the, talking with Lavelle about the format and just how the Twins, if they do wind up winning the division, it's more favorable than it used to be. They won't be the road team; they'll be the home team. They would have all three of those wild card round games at home. But yeah, what if it is the Yankees? Just you know, just their luck that they finally escape all these years of uh, having to face, face the top-seeded or second-seeded Yankees, and the Yankees wind up as the six. We'll see what actually happens, but uh, but yeah, that, that thought did cross my mind, Don. We'll cross that bridge, I guess, when we get there, and any way you get into the playoffs, I guess, is a, a good problem to have when it comes to your opponent. 
That will do it for me here today. Plenty of stuff coming up on Friday show. A lot of outdoors talk, talk I do believe, with Bob Timmons. Uh, does a great job with the outdoors writing and editing. I think we're going to talk about the smoky air and the impact that is having on summer you know, summer outdoors, summer camping plans, and, uh, and things of that nature. So stick around for that on Friday, in addition to plenty of other twins and Vikings thoughts. Until then, I'm Michael Rand, and we'll see you again tomorrow.